All right, we are back. The Daily Hi-Fi Podcast, and it look, it looks a little bit different in here. Looks different to you, Chana? I think so. I, I think so. Where, <laughs> where's Ron? I don't know. Where's Ron? Where's Michael? So, where's Mike? We got. We have some new people in here. I don't know if you guys recognize them. I, I recognize them. Chana. Yeah. First of all, we got Chana D. Regular. You're the regular. I'm and the then regular. The home theater geek. We got we got Scott Wilkinson in here. How awesome is that? Hey guys, how you doing? I, ha- I had to Scott. I had to come in and bother you. You know, I what was it at CES at that? What was that that uh little? Oh, it was at uh, uh, Pepcom, the digital Pepcom. experience. Uh, Pepcom, that's right. You came up to me. You both of you came up to me during during Pepcom, and I'm so glad you did. I was I was glad to meet you and hear about your podcast and all your all your different video work that you guys are doing it sounds great yeah man. i said hey we need you back on the air i miss you and i appreciate that and i've been thinking about ways to do that and to, to tell you the truth i was a little daunted by when i was on home theater geeks before mm. i had a whole team i had an infrastructure twit was doing all the editing and the video switching and everything and all i had to do was show up and be on the air uh, and book guests and so on. I mean, it wasn't a trivial job, but right. Um, you know, a lot when, of moving parts. A lot, lot of moving, moving parts. parts. And so w- when when that got canceled for financial reasons, they just couldn't sustain it financially. You know, they said, "You're welcome to the name. Take the name. Go go run with it." And but I thought to myself, I'm not a video editor. I I I don't know a lot of these moving parts. So that's why I haven't been back on the air. But Joe, you showed me this. <laughs> This platform that we're on right now, which I hadn't known about until, you know, a few days ago. Yeah, it makes it easy. And it know? makes it really easy. So, yeah, so I can that gives me great hope that I can actually come back and uh, and be on the air again, because I sure do love it. Yeah, well, we, we definitely miss you. See, look at how professional that is. Switching right here. <laughs> you can switch back and forth. We just take it easy over here. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it goes streaming out live, and there's a chat room, and uh, yeah, and everything. By the way, how do I get to the chat room? So um, over the right, that you see live comments. Oh yes, it says comments there. So it says yeah, I see it. So thunderstruck, and then and I can show it here. Good to see Scott back. There. You see it on the screen here. Yep. Uh, what's up, Scott and guys? So it's Scott and guys. So it's not just <laughs> Scott and hey, the other two guys. I don't mean to overshadow you guys. You guys are the, are the hosts of the show. I'm just a guest. I saw Scott at the Epson 6050 Revelation in New York. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. I'll say hello to Scott. That's techno. Okay. Help him out. Yeah, for sure. That's what I'm here for, Larry. Larry, I'm going to make sure that he stays on here. What, do you, what have yeah. you been up to, Scott? Oh well, I've been uh, I've been writing reviews mostly of headphones and uh, little speakers, little uh, Bluetooth speakers, on TechHive.com, a website uh, that's owned by uh, IDG, which also does PC World and Mac World. Mm, okay. um, so <clears throat> I'm I'm writing reviews on that site. Uh, I'm writing some what are called first looks. That is product profiles with with some opinion on projector reviews art fireman's website and um, otherwise i have a few corporate clients that i'm that i'm working for uh writing white papers and uh uh, other other stuff for them so you know i'm keeping busy 
staying busy. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Yeah. And you know Chana, right? You guys know each other. Oh yeah, don't you? yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, Chana, you and I met for the first time in New York last year, last yep. June, at the um, uh, flat panel the shootout. shootout. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was awesome. I was uh, so honored to be there as a judge. Um, yeah, it's a great experience, man. I I loved it. I loved every minute. And, and it's actually, if you guys don't know, like it's actually very hard to be completely objective when you're you, when you're trying to, you know, find these little details in these TVs. Man. Oh man, they had four TVs lined up next to each other, yep. showing all this, all showing the same content and. You're supposed to look at these TVs and judge them each on a variety of criteria. And I, I know how hard it is, Chana. I, I did not envy the judges. I was the MC of the event, so I yeah, wasn't a right. judge. But, um, you know, you guys had to ferret out minute differences between the Sony OLED and the LG mm -hmm. OLED. And uh, there were a couple of LCDs. Samsung's, Samsung uh, Q90, and yeah. 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 And, you know, the differences were pretty minor. And I think they get smaller and smaller every year, don't you? I mean, I think so. Also, also the higher price you go, yeah. as, as the, more, the more budget you have to spend. When we get into that 2400 and up, mm -hmm. things start to kind of like, it's kind of like a level playing field. Whereas I think yeah. in the budget range, you know, they cut corners on different things, exactly. get the price lower. So then there's more of a variance between those um, those right. models. Right. Exactly right. And the flat panel shootout that you and I were involved in only looks at the flagship TVs from sure. each company. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, so we are at that top level of top tier of yeah. budget, top tier. And uh, so the differences are very minor. Do you guys get excited, more excited about the flagship stuff or more like, you know, for me, I get excited about the stuff that TCL is doing. They're like bringing the, the cool stuff down to a more reasonable price. To me, that I sort agree. of stuff is very exciting. No, I agree. I agree. I get very excited by that. I mean, I love the flagship stuff. I'm all about, you know, the, the, the best picture quality one can get. Uh, but the lower end, the TCLs, the Vizios, even the Hisense TVs um, are you know, coming up strong on the, on the they are. budget they area, are. you know? So if you can get that kind of quality by spending less money, man, that's super exciting. So yep. I, I guess you guys have probably never heard this question before. Uh, it's right here on the screen. Which, which TV should you buy? You <laughs> <laughs> tricky question. Oh man. <clears throat> I get that question all the time. So what, what's the answer? Well, the answer is to ask a question first, which is what's your budget? Okay. We were just talking about that a moment ago. And, mm -hmm. you know, if, if their budget is really limited, I'll go one way. If their budget isn't really limited, I'll go another way. Um, you know, if, if money is less of a problem, less of an object, uh, I, I will say, and you want a TV, we're going to talk about TVs and projectors here in Definitely, a minute, right? I think, but let's just stick with TVs, flat panel TVs. My first choice is always OLED. Uh, I, I think that they look the best, they have the deepest blacks, the self-emissive nature of the, of the display. Each pixel is self-emissive. Light doesn't have to travel through anything like it does with LCD. Uh, so given all those things, I like OLED the best. It's not as bright as LCDs. And if you need super bright, then you might want to talk about LCDs. But uh, if you can afford it, for me... 
OLED's the way to go. Chana, what do you think? Um, I agree with that. <laughs> as far as as I like OLED, um, we do have uh, the OLED um, LG E9 in the living room. And I do have an LCD in the kids' room, and I have an LCD in the master bedroom. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and those are for, for the you know basic reasons. My wife likes to fall asleep to the TV on, so there's a static screen. Sometimes, <laughs> like, I come home from an event at like two thirty in the morning, and it's just it's on this like end screen of something on the DVR, and I'm like, oh, good thing that's not an OLED. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, yes. Now you do have the. A slight problem, which slight, I yeah. think is is more, uh, it's more hyped than real. If For sure. Talk about you know, image retention or mm -hmm. burn in on on OLEDs. It used to be a big problem on plasma TVs. You remember yep. plasma TVs? I had a plasma, yeah, heavy. <laughs> oh yeah, I just saw my mom's. She still has it. It's uh, a Fuji Fujitsu from two thousand two. Oh my God! It must have cost like ten grand or something. Oh, it was like sixteen, I think, is what, yeah, what it was. Be, the early plasmas from Fujitsu were like, holy smokes! Yeah. Um, and you know, I had one of the last ones, a Panasonic. Oh, uh, me too. Oh, actually, I actually, I had to. I still have a Kuro. Oh wow! Pioneer Kuro. Pioneer Elite, yeah. Yeah, which was a, the best plasma ever made, in my opinion. Uh, but you know, they're gone now. No, no one makes them. They're just gone. But the, and image retention was a problem with those. I agree. Less so in the more modern, the later years, the earlier generations, it was a real problem. OLED, I think it's a much less of a problem than than people. People make it out to be. Make it out to be. Exactly. Correct. Exactly. I have a three year old um, E6 uh, LG, mm -hmm. no burn in. And yeah. we run the TV minimum six, seven hours a day. You right. know, like right. once soon as my wife gets home, it's on and she's cooking. She's not even watching the TV. Right, it's, right, right. it's just on, it's you just know, company. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so and no burn in after all that time. Yeah, no burn in. Uh, and she watches a lot of TV. So it has all those like logos. Yeah, um, bugs in the corner. Right. And they're big football fans, uh, my wife and our son. So they're always watching football come. You know, we have direct TV. Mm -hmm. uh, NFL Sunday ticket. So we get all eight games and there's a, even a game mix channel where we see all eight games at once. So <laughs> all, all that's on there, oh, you know, for hours at a time and right. no burn in. So, right. no burn -in. so I, I don't know if it's a just a lot of people say I'm just lucky. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. There are those who talk about the panel lottery, right? Oh, well, if you got a good panel by happenstance, then you won't have a problem. I don't think so. I mean, certainly if people have had problems, I don't want to dis discount that. Uh, but I think it's rarer than than most people would have you believe. I have to give a quick Agreed. shout out here to the people giving the super chats. So thank you so much for the support. Always third era. You're always in here. Thank you so much. Thank we, you. We, we appreciate it. And also always Rob E. Very consistent. He has a question, too. So when you do a super chat, you you kind of get priority here. So yeah, yeah, you bet. He I asked, see it. Scott Dolby Vision versus HDR10. Who will last? HDR10 plus <laughs> HDR10. HDR10. Oh, sorry, plus. plus. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. got to be the plus there. They're so similar. They both do, they both use what's called dynamic metadata to describe the brightness characteristics of each individual scene down to each individual frame as opposed to HDR10 without the plus, which just describes the peak and average brightness of the entire movie. 
I think that between the two, I suspect Dolby Vision will win out, so to speak, because of A, Dolby's marketing. They're a marketing behemoth. And it's already out in the marketplace significantly. Uh, HDR10 Plus is supported mainly by Samsung and I think Panasonic. Yes. Chano, is that yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, so, okay. So they support it. That's fine. But then we can't get any Panasonic TVs in the States. We can't so, get any Panasonic TVs. So it's in literally the just uh, Samsung. And I, I, don't, I don't know anything else. I don't else know who else supports it, to tell you the truth. Dolby Vision is supported by just about everybody except Samsung. When has uh, when has Dolby lost a format war? I guess you could say. Oh man, have they? I, I mean, it's always so. been Dolby and DTS. So, in terms of the uh, in terms of the codec audio codecs, yeah, for multi-channel audio, yeah, it has always been those two, and they're both they both coexist. You know, virtually all mm -hmm. AV receivers that you can buy today will decode either one. Right, and there's and, content in both of them, so, so it that, doesn't matter to the consumer. You think that's uh, the answer? Then you think it'll just be uh, they'll coexist? Yeah, I do actually. Uh, the same thing as what happened with Dolby and DTS, both coexist. I think the various HDR formats can also coexist, and they're Dolby Vision HDR10, which regular HDR10 Plus, that can certainly be in there, and HLG which is the broadcast high dynamic range right. format. Hybrid log gamma. Hybrid yeah. log gamma is what it's called, right. And the Super Bowl, the last, the Super Bowl that was just a couple weeks ago, uh, was shot in HLG mm -hmm. uh, at 1080p resolution. At 1080, yeah. Uh -huh. Interestingly. Yeah, I saw, I saw a whole video on that. <laughs> like, it was just not feasible to do a 4K because right. they have like a hundred cameras or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so they'd now be they limited. Did, yes, they did yeah. have some 4K cameras. I they even I heard had some 8K cameras, and I thought, well, what you know, why would <laughs> they do that? And the the answer that I read somewhere was, well, for archival purposes. Uh huh. I'm sure okay. we'll we'll see that one day or what. One day, maybe on YouTube. It also <laughs> it also allows you to to push in to zo digitally zoom. Sure. And still get uh, a 1080p image at you know in, at a high zoom ratio. So aren't they using those lenses that can zoom super crazy anyway? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You see those cameras, and you know 90% of what they are is a lens. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey Scott, I'm kind of curious. I know you do calibration also. Is that uh -huh. correct? Yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, projectors? Because I'm a projector guy. I don't. I, I have one TV. I have one TV and then a monitor, but primarily I'm using a projector, which I'm very happy with. What are your thoughts? Sure. Projectors are great. I think if you if you want a really big screen, uh, projector is the way to go because unless again, unless you're Mister Moneybags and you can just buy a an 88 inch OLED for what five figures, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're, a projector is going to get you a hundred inch screen easily. Uh, the and for a lot less money. The problem there is you have to be a little more careful about ambient light. Uh, you, you and there are two types of projectors we can talk about as well. There's the sort of regular projector that sits at one end of the room and the screens at the other end of the room, and the projector fires across the room to the screen. And you need to control the ambient light pretty well for that, and or have what's called an ambient light rejecting screen. 
which will only reflect the light from coming from a certain direction back to you in the in the viewing position and light coming in from other places, a window or a lamp or something like that uh, gets deflected away from the viewing position. So that makes it, it look a lot better. If you don't have an ambient light rejecting screen uh, and you have ambient light in the room, it's going to, the picture's going to look so washed out and, and dull and crappy. So, you know, you really need that if you, if you don't have complete control of ambient light in your room. Now, the other type of projector is called ultra short throw or UST. And that is a projector that sits near the wall, shoots upward towards a screen. And you need a kind of a special screen for that because it, the light needs to come up at a steep angle and then reflect out straight out from the screen to the viewing position. Those can also be ambient light rejecting. In fact, they usually are. And if you have that kind of a setup, you have essentially a hundred inch TV, you know, that can stand up to some ambient light, probably not as much as an OLED or, or an LCD TV, but, but a fair amount. Now, Hisense, um, Vava and, um, a couple other companies, uh, Optima is another one, uh, all make these ultra short throw projectors, LG also. Uh, and they're pretty cool because for one thing, with a regular projector shining across a room, somebody walks into the room and walks in front of the screen. They interrupt the they interrupt the image, right? They right. down in the front. Yeah, down in front. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. With an ultra short throw, that doesn't happen. Now you need I don't know eight or ten inches of a, of a credenza or some sort of table in front of the screen to put this ultra short throw projector on, but nobody walks in front of it. Right. Hey, it oh, looks like a TV. Are there any projectors with Dolby Vision? Anybody know? Rob E's asking here. Nope. I, nope. I, I haven't seen anything. I, mine has HDR. That's about it. Correct. There are no consumer projectors with Dolby Vision. The only projectors with Dolby Vision are those you find in a Dolby cinema, professional cinema, mm. where you would go out to the movies to like see. Like a Barco projector or something? Well, they're actually Christie's. Christie's, okay. Uh, but Barco is another main big company in the commercial cinema space. But the Dolby Vision projectors are made by Christie. Oh, nice! And, and uh, I, that's the only—if I, if I can help it—that's <laughs> the only type of of theater I will go out to the movies to see because it looks so much better. How about and, our AMC ones over here? You know, yeah, yeah. Are those AMC Burbank has one? Yeah, absolutely. One okay. of the first. All right. Uh, but that's the only, uh, you know, commercial cinema I will go to. I will go to IMAX occasionally if there's something special that was shot in IMAX because mm, that sure. uses a different aspect ratio. And for that, I'll only go to an IMAX laser theater with a mm. projector that is laser illuminated. Mm. So I've taken up a bunch of time here. Chana, what do you think? What, yeah. What's your thoughts on projectors? Uh, well, you mentioned the VAVA ultra short throw, and I just got that in. Oh, Yeah. Um, yeah, Vivid Storm sent me a 100-inch motorized floor rising screen. Um, and I'm, I'm not the best with projectors, and Joe <laughs> Joe knows I had really bad experience with another ultra short throw from a company that <clears throat> we will not mention. Um, but I told them they didn't have a I didn't have a screen. So check this out, Scott. They sent me a hundred-inch screen. Oh yeah, man. And I had to put that thing together all by myself. And it was a complete like shit show. Like oh, I did. it was just man. so bad. And so this, this is a motorized screen, right? That comes up from. Oh, the... this thing's easy. I just set it there, plug it in, press the button. Zoop, perfect. But 
but setting it up, uh, putting it together was no picnic, huh? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. The the motorized one is one piece. Took oh. it out of the box, right? I just first, took it out of the box and plug uh, it in. The I first think, one yeah. I had was a big old ordeal. It took me like three yeah. hours to get it together, and it was like, uh. it was all messed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this guy called people, me cussing. I'm like, I can't this. get this to work, man. Like, what just, is, just you told me this is going to be awesome. <laughs> da, 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 da. Chill out, chill out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Review a projector, they said. It would be fun, they said. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you have this screen that pops right. up. Is right. it an ultra short throw screen though? Will it, it is. Will it, it is. So it'll take the light coming from below mm -hmm. and reflect it back out into the room where it's supposed to be. Yes. Now the thing is, I don't have like that big. It it is a big living room, but the way it's kind of configured, it's. I think that screen's a little too big. I'm watching stuff on there, and I'm like, oh man, this is this is too big. I'm like <laughs> well, this, like oh whoa. Uh, well, you know, distance. That would be my next question. Fourteen feet. And it's oh, a hundred inches. inches at 14 feet is not too big, in my opinion. It's not <laughs> as long as it's within your peripheral vision, you're good. Correct. If you don't have Correct. to move your head. Then no. Then, then, then you're fine. Big. Okay. You got to get Agreed. closer, Chana. Well, you know what's funny? How you guys said down in front. Uh, well, <laughs> one of the sides of the screen is closer to the to the um, Whoa. to the sliding glass door. Yeah. So. My dog likes to hang out over there, so he'll go up to the screen and sit right there, and you can see his like little shadow <laughs> right on oh, there because of the because of the uh, you know the angle of the uh, Vava Ultra Short Throw. So it's a right. It's interesting. It's interesting. Right. Now, do um, you do calibrations? Are you going to calibrate it? No, you know I don't. I don't know anything about calibration. I oh, okay. I, I leave that to the uh, professionals. Um, in fact, when I got my new E9 LG. I got it from Robert at Value Electronics, and they oh, yeah. do a, they do a service. Um, so they actually went and their service is cool. I mean, for me, it's cool. It was six hundred dollars. I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to pay another six hundred dollars. But um, I live in Mammoth, like we were we were talking earlier, right? And uh, you don't close, have a calibrator nearby. No, no, <laughs> it would be nine hundred dollars for somebody to come from Reno, Nevada, oh, uh, for the day, yeah. just just for one TV. So I'm like six hundred. Hey. Not bad, and I don't need to go anywhere. So right, they um, do it. Robert did it at Value Electronics, which we should say is in Scarsdale, New York. Right, right. Um, but he's a friend of ours. He's the one that does the the flat panel shootout every year. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and, he and did so the calibration there, and then shipped it to you. Correct, correct. I... And man, did that that looks it, it looks awesome. And I'm I'm so afraid to like do any updates to the TV because it might like wipe all that <laughs> calibration out because that is something you have to worry about sometimes. Well, it is. Uh, and so what I would recommend you do is take the time and go through all the menus and write down every setting. So that if that does well, happen, you just go in and re-enter all those settings. It'd well, be a pain in the butt, but it'd be certainly it, better than not knowing well, right. how do I put it back? Well, I mean, the cool part about Robert's service is that they supply that. So I've got a spreadsheet oh, with all of it there. Oh, okay. Well, so just worry. in case, just in case, you know, sure. uh, but, um, but yeah, sure. by the way, I want to, I want to make a point here about calibration and about settings. And that is a lot of people, when I was reviewing TVs and I reviewed a lot of TVs on ABS forum and home theater and elsewhere, uh, they would say, Oh, what are your settings? Well, I could give you my settings, but they might be—they might well be different from one sample of the same model to the next. So they're not as useful as people think. Hmm. If I give you my my settings for an E9, 
they wouldn't right. necessarily be the right setting right. for Yuri Nine. I agree. I agree. So I think it's less useful to have those settings published. I used to do that. I used to publish my settings, hmm. uh, but I kind of, you know, then I sort of didn't on AVS Forum when I was doing TVs. I didn't there uh, because they're not going to be the same. Yeah. So is it possible that they're actually making the picture worse than the default? It's possible. Mm. Well, worse. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but when I when to, okay, here's the, here's another thing that I normally say: when you get a TV and you take it out of the box, if you don't want to spend that six hundred bucks, or more likely, if if you have a local calibrator, it'd be more like you know three or four hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. um, just go into the menu, the basic picture menu. Look at what's called the picture mode. And select the picture mode that is cinema or movie, whatever is is closest to those two words. Select that, and then you're you're well on your way to having the best possible picture. Next step is to take a disc like Spears and Munsell um, uh, HD Benchmark for HD for Blu-ray, or the new Ultra HD HDR Benchmark for 4K and set the basic user controls, brightness, contrast, color, tint, sharpness. Uh, and you normally don't even have to fiddle with sh color and tint. But if you set those uh, according to the disc, then you're, you know, you're 75, 80% of the way toward a complete calibration. I see. So maybe, well, you're, you're driving distance from me, so maybe you can help me out over well, here. I'm, I could tell. I want to sure. learn, actually. I just want to learn to see what the process is like more hey, than anything. That's very we're interesting. We're very close. In fact, you and I went to the same high school. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> uh, that was so crazy. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. No way. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, separated, he was a, he was a senior, a and I was a, I was a, a freshman. <laughs> uh, a little, little bit a little bit more separated than that i'm afraid <laughs> so we've been talking a lot about uh video right which is cool yep. i'm i'm totally into it I, I like video but a lot of people are here for audio right right so let's talk about some audio stuff hey love to so here's here's a good question here at most up firing speakers versus down firing speakers mm. uh-oh well, we know what Atmos is, right? We do. Atmos is is having a surround array of speakers plus sound coming from overhead. And you can do that one of two ways. You can either have speakers in your ceiling, right? Mm -hmm. Shooting down. Or you can have speakers sitting on top of your speakers that are at floor level shooting up. And that up shooting sound reflects off the ceiling and bounces back down. And you hear it as if it were coming from above you. And that's, you know, Atmos is there for helicopters and planes flying overhead, rain, you know, stuff that that happens around you. And it's a very immersive experience. I love it. I just love the way that it that it makes it immerses you in the movie more, which is why it's called immersive audio. So right. which one's better? Speakers above or speakers shooting up? Generally speaking, I'd have to say speakers shooting down, speakers actually in the ceiling. If you have up-firing speakers that bounce off the ceiling, you have some limitations. You have to have a ceiling that's flat and fairly reflective. Right. You know, it can't have a lot of sound-absorbing material on it. You can't. It can't be a cathedral ceiling mm -hmm. uh, because then the, the sound will reflect in weird ways. So... 
the upfiring solution is more limited. It also, though, probably has a higher spousal acceptance factor because you don't, <laughs> you don't have to actually put speakers on your ceiling. <laughs> right. Right. I have speakers on my ceiling. You? Well, there you go. Who, who here has speakers on their ceiling? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. We're all well, in the right know, place. You know, when I when we moved into our house where we're living now, twenty over twenty years ago, uh, my wife said, "Okay, you can have for decorating purposes, you can have your office and the home theater. I'll take the rest." <laughs> and I said, <laughs> "Fine, no problem." <laughs> that's funny. So I can do what I want in the theater. I have it painted uh, what's called a neutral Munsell gray. A very dark gray with, uh, I think, 10% reflectivity. Um, because I knew I was going to be reviewing TVs in there. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's a pretty rectangular box of a room. doesn't have open, you know, it's not open concept into the kitchen or anything like that. So, you know, the sound is fairly well controlled. And I can do what I want in there. So, I do. <laughs> when, when will we see content in Rec 2020 or P3 color gamuts? Well, we already have plenty of content in P3. Uh, most ultra ultra HD Blu-ray content is <laughs> mastered in in P3 within a BT twenty twenty container. This is a confusing thing. Yeah. It took me a while to figure it out. Um, what what we're referring to here is the range of colors that can be represented that are that are represented in the content. Um. And it basically exists as a triangle. I don't know if you can see over my my shoulder here. Uh, it's hard to, hard to see, but there's a a color graph, and there's a there's a triangle in that color graph. It's being covered by some leaves, some fern leaves there. Uh, that the and basically you can represent all the colors that can be represented on a TV that can be displayed on a TV or a projector in a triangle within that shape. And the larger the rectangle the more colors you can represent. That shape, by the way, is the range of colors that the human eye can see. So any TV you buy or any projector you buy or any projector you see in the theater is only reproducing a subset of that. It can't reproduce everything the eye can see. It's impossible. So we get a triangle on that graph that shows you what colors a, a given display can do or that a given some piece of content is mastered in that has those colors. P P3 is a certain color, a certain triangle. BT2020 is a larger triangle. And that larger triangle is so large that really the only way to reproduce it is with red, green, and blue lasers. Wow. That's the only way to do it. So we're not going to see 2020 content for consumers anytime soon because, I mean, there are a few red, green, blue laser projectors on the market. Hisense has one called Trichroma. Uh, and L LG has a couple of red, green, blue LED projectors in their Cinebeam line uh, that can't really do 2020, but they can get pretty close. But most OLEDs and high-end LCDs and a lot of projectors can do P3, mm -hmm. which is still bigger than, than the triangle that's used for 1080p HD high definition TV. So we have more colors. 
2020, though, in terms of a, of a real color palette, we're not going to see anytime soon. Right. There, there isn't even that much 2020 content in Dolby Cinemas. Do you remember the movie Inside Out Pixar mm -hmm. animation? I have kids. You have kids, so you saw it. <laughs> There's one scene in that movie that was mastered in true 2020. Mm. It's the scene where um, joy and sadness are looking for uh, the the elephant character. I forget. Yeah, forgot. yeah, Bing Bong. Bing Bong, right? <laughs> and they've they've gone into uh, into Riley's subconscious, where the the scary clown lives, mm -hmm. right? In that scene, in a Dolby Cinema, out you know at AMC, uh -huh. actually was has tw full twenty twenty color in it. So the I gotta red, watch that scene if I want to see it. Well, but you won't see it at home oh. because no no display at home can can recreate Got it. it. Mm. Probably the Ultra HD Blu Ray of that scene was probably reduced to P three color. Got uh, it. Probably, I don't know that for sure. Yeah, I think one of the questions earlier, I know we were supposed to get into audio, but we're kind of going yep. back and forth because we're just That's answering fine. questions here um, sure. from the live chat on the side the here. Chat, yep. And yep. so uh, one of the questions is about 8K. And I yeah. found on my projector, I moved from a 1080 to a full 4K projector. And uh -huh. I noticed more of a di difference because this one has, has HDR. I noticed more of a difference there than going from 1080 to 4K. So... From 4K Absolutely. to 8K, I'm imagining I'm not going to notice that, that much. difference, yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. 4K to 8K. You will... 4K to 8K does have an advantage. It does. It's not in terms of the actual detail that you can see or that you would recognize at a normal seating distance. Mm. You can get right up to the screen and see the difference, but at a normal seating distance, you won't see that. What you will see is a smoother image mm -hmm. and in particular diagonal sharp lines hmm. and and other other sharp divisions maybe curves that otherwise might have looked a little soft or even a little jaggedy will be much smoother in 8k well hold that thought about the 8k about being able to perceive the differences because i think we can relate that to a question that i have later uh in the audio realm so let's just hold on to that. Uh, Rob E. Okay. asks, why do some movie studios hardly use Dolby Atmos channels? Oh, Chana, you, I asked you, what's your question for today? That's it. Yeah, <laughs> There's pretty much uh, my question is, or the question was, um, why is, uh, from movie to movie, why is uh, Atmos so different? And um, why is Atmos not created equally? All, not all Atmos is created equally. And, um, true. you so know, what's your, what's your answer, Chana? What's my answer is that um, budgetary constraints, mm. um, time constraints. I would say that's more likely. Uh, yeah. So, um, they, you know. They've got an Atmos system. Yeah. And they're mixing to it. It doesn't cost any more to put stuff in the upper channels. I, I was so pissed off because, like, I really loved that beginning scene in Bumblebee because it had all the old Transformers from when I was growing up. Yeah. I was like, this is fantastic. And, like. It's all in Atmos, and so I just went ahead and unplugged all my five speakers. I have a 5.1.4, <laughs> and what was playing out of the top speakers? The score. <laughs> that's, that's it. Just what? the score. 
just the score oh, no man. no special effects whatsoever um and there's like you know the, the jets are flying above you there's explosions and like you're in space so you, you would imagine that, you should hear that stuff above you absolutely yeah yeah no no nothing but violins and cellos man i was pretty <laughs> upset <laughs> i mean i'm not dissing on you know musical score i love music but uh um, sure, sure. it was a it was a bit disappointing um oh, yeah that's a creative decision by the person who did the mix. Yeah. So, so and, then I, I, you know, I could, uh, I don't want to like hurt anybody's feelings, but also call it one of the other factors, laziness. Mm -hmm. Like, let's come on. We have the, let's do it. You got the time. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, why not? Yeah, I totally um, agree. I totally agree. I guess it might be laziness. It might be a creative decision of, oh, we don't need anything up there except the music, which is a stupid decision in my opinion. <laughs> but, you know, somebody might have made that decision. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it is it is all up to the content creator. And right. And if it some is. people don't do it, then they don't do it. And the, the consumer is pissed off, and rightly so. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, on the other hand, you don't want to – well, and in the case of the – you don't want to put just the music overhead. You Sure. Then you want again, to put things like that are actually there, yeah, right? And, yeah. And I always say, like, people are like, well, this this had Atmos in it, and, you know, how come there isn't that much Atmos? You know, John Wick, the first one, mm -hmm. perfect example. They have a great Atmos scene. It's when it's raining, and right. you can hear what sounds like raindrops hitting the, on top roof. of the umbre umbrella. Right. right. Perfect. That one was, but, but we're talking very, very few scenes. Um, another one was when he was getting attacked at his home and he pushed somebody through the window and the glass broke and it just yeah. broke all over. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, but like, again, you know, those are kind of small, small scenes. And we're talking about, you know, a few seconds to maybe 10, 15 seconds. Um, but what I've noticed is anything in space, any kind of science fiction space movie, going to have a pretty active Atmos mix. Yeah. Is, yeah. is what I like Gravity. to call it. Gravity was an excellent example of that. Mm -hmm. That was um, that was phenomenal, and that was the diamond left of the mixed. Yeah, yes. it's a, a highway robbery. It's seventy five dollars for a Blu ray, <laughs> <laughs> and I have yours. I oh, yeah, that's right, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I sent it to Joe. Like you got to check this out, man. Um, but um, yeah, you know, uh, I I know uh, Chris Nolan. Uh, if I can call him Chris or Christopher Nolan, he does sure. not have any of his movies in Atmos. No, that's correct. You know, correct. I, I would have loved to hear uh, Dunkirk in a, mm. in an Atmos oh, mix. That would be awesome. That would have been awesome. Or interstellar. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So I, I agree completely. He is a, he's a very traditionalist. I, I have heard it said of him that he would do stereo or even mono if he could get away with it. <laughs> Speaking he, though he's also one who who shoots on film. Right, right, he is. And yeah. and there's that's a whole point of discussion there is shooting on film versus digital. Looks awesome. Yeah. Scott, do you, are you into two channel audio as well? I'm not so much to tell you the truth. I have said throughout my career, I have never I have never counted myself as a quote unquote audiophile. I do count myself as a videophile. I'm I'm seriously concerned with getting the best picture quality on the screen. But in terms of being an audiophile, I have never spent a lot of money on a two-channel rig. Um, and I think it's partly at least because I'm a professional musician. 
and I play music in ensembles and I go to live concerts. I've been a season ticket holder at LA Philharmonic for many, many years and no reproduced sound and even no reproduced sound system can come close to that experience. So mm -hmm. sure. I want good sound. You know, I'm not going to buy, you know, El Cheapo speakers, um, but I'm not going to spend, you know, $125,000 on a pair of Wilson's. Um, I'm so you're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Exactly. I mean, for one thing I can't, and most people can't, uh, but I'm just, I'm just not as into it as to sort of compel me to spend as much as I possibly can on uh, a two channel system. Now I don't, I don't fault anybody who, who is way into it. That's great. Go for it. Um, I remember doing a profile of a, of a guy in Florida. He was a very rich guy and he was a contributor to the Miami symphony, I think. And so he would go to the symphony concert and record the symphony concert on DAT. Remember DAT tape? Mm -hmm. Digital audio tape. Yeah. Digital audio tape. So it was one of the first means of recording digital audio. So he'd record it. And then he'd take the DAT tape home and he had a pair of Wilsons, right? That were $125,000 or whatever. And the same level of electronics. And he'd go home and he'd sit and he'd listen to the concert again from the DAT tape on this system. And, you know, that was serious dedication. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, is that, that, that ain't me, babe. I'm just I, laughing I mean, at the comment here. Uh, Charles H. says, Wilson's for my ceiling speakers. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, great. Man. <laughs> I want to be your friend, Charles. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, let's see. Another question. Where's there's, uh, there's a question here from RCDude86. For Scott, I'm looking to go to the next step for calibration. What meter should I get? I uh, use one Display Pro now with Calman, but what would be the next level? Uh, I one I one Display Pro. Uh, you know that's a great meter. I I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily step up because unless you're willing to spend a bunch of money, um, the I one Pro, if I'm not mistaken, is what's called a spectroradiometer, which means that it takes measurements of a bunch of different wavelengths of light as opposed to a colorimeter, which the, say, for example, the spider is, uh, which only takes red, green, and blue. And, and depending on the type of technology, whether it's OLED or LCD or uh, a projector, it might not be very accurate. So you need a spectroradiometer. If you're going to use a colorimeter, you need a spectroradiometer to do something called profiling which basically adjusts or biases the RGB reading in the colorimeter to be accurate for the type of display that you're, that you're doing. So I myself generally just use a spectroradiometer to begin with. It's slower. It takes longer. It takes longer for the spectroradiometer to, to detect what it needs to do. So mm -hmm. it's not as efficient time-wise. But I, I, don't, I see nothing wrong with just sticking with that. If you wanted to step up and spend a bunch more money, the uh, Jetty, J-E-T-I, I forget the name, the model of it, uh, is a really good spectroradiometer a lot of people use. That's what was used at the 
flat panel shootout last year, among other things. I have a Konica Minolta CS200, uh, which is a spectra radiometer. Uh, the colorimetry research has a spectra radiometer and a colorimeter. And basically, they, to most calibrators, they'll sell both of them. And mm -hmm. you use a spectra radiometer to profile the colorimeter and then use the colorimeter to calibrate the display. But those two together are probably in the $10,000 range. You got to come by the by my place. <laughs> That's what that means. Bring, so, all, the, bring uh, all the good gear. Okay. So along those lines, Scott, uh, I know a lot of the TVs are doing like some sort of auto calibration where all mm. you would need at home is just a meter. Um, some sort of meter. Uh, yeah, probably a colorimeter would, would work. Although, again, it, you should profile it for that particular TV. Mm -hmm. AutoCal, which uh, Samsung offers, LG offers, Sony, too, Sony well. I guess now too all requires you to have a piece of software called Calman from a company called Portrait Displays. And is that and, cheap or pricey? Uh, the home version isn't that expensive. I think it might be a couple hundred bucks, 300 bucks, something like that. <clears throat> I might be wrong. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to go look it up. But it's not that bad. Compared to, you know, the meter, it's cheap. Right. Oh, okay. Um. But you still need a meter. You, you need the Calman software. And Calman, the company that owns Calman is called Portrait Displays. They recently bought the company that developed Calman called SpectraCal. So they've made deals with LG and Samsung and Sony to allow their TVs to communicate with Calman mm -hmm. and automate the calibration process. Okay. Well, is that kind of like a, like Odyssey, kind of like that sort of thing, but uh, yeah, for video? Like, it's kind yeah, of automatic, yeah. but it's probably better to have a professional come and do it still. Oh, yes. man. Like yes. that. Yes. So I see now, uh, I see El Jefe in here. El Jefe yeah. reviews. El he Jefe. reviews headfo headphones. Uh, uh, what is it? True wireless ear earbuds. Uh, yep. So uh, he's the man. And uh, kind of wanted to switch gears into that, actually, because sure. I just got these airpods pro even though i don't have an iphone and it works perfectly well and i'm impressed with this thing i think it sounds good and uh i posted something on my instagram account about how i think they sold somewhere around like six billion dollars worth mm -hmm. of airpods <laughs> well i think it's more than that no last in 2019 oh, they're, oh, okay. they're estimating 15 year. billion which yeah, puts them like billion. like it uh, on the fortune 500 if all they did was sell airpods in like on uh, like 210 right right next to netflix that's how much they're selling of these and so wow. i thought that was very interesting i'm very impressed with the noise canceling on here everything and so now are they are they in-ear monitors do they do they seal up your ear canal or are they earbuds that just sort of sit outside your ear canal? yeah so these are are kind of weird because they're they kind of like, like equivalent to like an open back open back right so they have a, a, a like a vent there so it's uh -huh. not completely plugging your ears right but it does have uh -huh. a seal but it does seal your ear canal i think that's critical yeah it does seal I'm doing a lot of in your yeah. in your headphones and achieving a good seal mm -hmm. in your ear is critical for good quality good sound quality right and so here's the thing i was just kind of curious because they're selling a ton of these right yeah. And I'm always talking to people in the audio industry saying like, how do we, how do we get the younger generation into audio? I'm like, 
somebody's selling to them. Apple's selling to them. Beats selling to them. You know, mm-hmm. somebody's figured it out. And yeah. so that leads to this question here because I posted about that and saying like, you know, people do care, right? Younger generation does care, in my opinion. But what do you guys think? Does the younger generation care about audio quality? Uh, not being in the younger generation, I can't say for sure. <laughs> He's like, I don't what do you know. think? What do you think? <clears throat> what do I think? Yeah. Um, I think they probably do to at least some extent. Um, uh, a lot of younger generation is buying LPs, for example, mm-hmm. which making a huge comeback. Yeah. Which is making a huge comeback, which unfortunately had a huge setback last week. With a fire and banning. I don't know if you guys heard about that. Oh, no. What happened? Oh, man. There are only two companies, two factories in the world that make lacquer, the lacquer blanks for LPs. And one of them, who who represented 75% of that market, just went up in flames about a week ago. It's Mm. gone. That's not good. It may never come back. Um. So the only other one is in Japan, and they're about 25% of the market. So I suspect we're going to see LP. This year, I think we're fine because the companies that actually press LPs have back stock. They've got a Mm. stock of these blanks. But next year, I think we're going to see a sharp spike in the cost of LPs because of that fire. Mm. Didn't know about that. Yeah, it's a bummer. Anyway, going back to the question... The you know young people are buying uh, LPs, they're buying Beats headphones, which unfortunately I don't think are generally that <laughs> high quality uh, in terms of sound. Don't get us they're, in trouble here. I sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We say what we say that same. We thing. say what we feel. Okay. Yes. You know, um, yeah. I'm I'm glad to hear you say the Apple. Um, are they AirPods? Is that Air, what they're called? The AirPods Pro. AirPods Pro. Yeah. If they're good quality, then great. Yeah. Um. You know, I, my fear has been that the younger generation is listening to highly compressed streaming music right? and calling that fine when, mm-hmm. in fact, I would much rather hear uncompressed music uh, or at least less highly compressed music uh, because there's a lot of research now that indicates that Highly compressed music, MP3s we're talking about, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Highly compressed music that comes comes over at 128 kilobits per second or something like that. It may sound okay, but it it impacts your emotional centers in your brain, the limbic system, much less than music that has not been highly compressed. People have done MRI studies. Uh, in of the brain and the limbic system lights up a lot less when people are listening to this highly compressed music. Uh, so I've always I've been a little scared that the younger generation listening to this highly compressed music, which has much less emotional impact, uh, isn't uh, isn't getting as involved in the music and yet thinking, oh, this is fine. Plus the fact that they're they're listening to it while they're doing other stuff. That's the one thing about audiophiles uh, that I do uh, ad- identify with is if you're going to listen to something that's important to you, you know, you sit down and you listen to it. 
rather than have it on in the background while you're doing the dishes or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's a matter of commitment, I guess. And I don't know if the youngsters have that level of commitment to listening to music or not. You know, it's funny because I was thinking about that same thing, right? So two-channel audio requires you to sit down and actually listen between two speakers, right? But if you, yep. had some, if you have some earbuds in, you're always in between there. So you could do the dishes Correct. and still be right in the center, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep, so that's true. I think that's part of the appeal, right? The other thing yep. is if you have uh, – they don't take up very much space, right? A lot of these younger guys – they might not have an apartment. Maybe they, maybe they do live with their parents, right? And they don't want to get the complaint like, hey, turn that music down. So they just put on their headphones, right? Yep. yep so yep. that all yep. makes sense. For me, it's about trying to understand where they're at, what they're thinking. And I think they do care about quality. But I think if you were to compare, like, what's more important, absolute quality or convenience, Right. <laughs> if they had to choose between the two, I think the top would be convenience. Yeah. But right. So now that we have convenience, convenience is the norm, right? Yep, they have, now, it is, yeah. now we have all these streaming services. Now, now they can start to care about quality. Right. Right. I think that's the, the way it, it's working is, uh, you know, it's not that they don't care. It's just it wasn't the top priority. And so I think that's something that a lot of the hi-fi audio companies get mixed up. They think that they don't care at all. And the truth is, I think that the hi-fi companies, a lot of them are just not innovating. Like this thing, this thing is analyzing with a microphone inside of my ear what's going on in there and then adjusting the EQ according Mm -hmm. to what's going on there. Mm -hmm. What other thing does that? You know, this thing is 249 bucks. How much are those? These are 249 bucks. Okay, so the Sony... (laughs) Uh, WH one thousand XM three noise canceling headphones over. You have those, headphones. Joe? Yeah, they're. I got them right here. Right those do the same thing. They do an analysis of your ear. I love those headphones. They I don't know sound that sound great. I don't know that these are doing it on the fly though. This one no, I have no, to hold the, the button yeah, and then push it a calibrates. button and they do it right. These, uh, they're claiming that it's doing it two hundred times a second. Wow. Why would it need to do that? I that I don't get. <laughs> That's just too much. I, well, is it necessary? I, don't know. I mean, uh, you know, your ears aren't going to change from yeah. you know one two hundredth of a second to the next. I don't know exactly what it's doing, but it's that's what it says on the website, and I'm happy that it does it. I, I'm <laughs> well, just saying, I'd learn a little bit more technically about what they're doing. I'm just saying, I think there's a lot of convenience built into this, and mm-hmm. so that's something I think a lot of the companies nowadays have to focus on is. Figure out how to provide that awesome sound quality, but in a convenient form factor at a price point that's reasonable. And you have to market it. You have to advertise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like nobody knows about a lot of these companies. Yeah. So this brings us to convenience versus quality brings us to high res audio streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Which is becoming more and more common. And. People often ask me, you know, what is there value in high res audio? Um, and I have to say, under certain circumstances, yes. Now, do we are we all familiar with high res audio? Do we do you know how it's how we are we all agreed on how to define it? Uh, why don't you Why don't you go ahead and for the people who don't know? Okay. Well, in my view, Joe, 
Joe, Joe doesn't audio. know. That's me. What's that? That's me. For the people Joe, who don't know. Joe doesn't know. Joe doesn't know. Okay. That's my way of saying, uh, go ahead and teach me. That's fine. That's fine. In my go. view, yeah, high-res audio is digital audio that has been captured and is played back at specifications higher than those used by CD. Okay? So right. CD captures and plays back audio with 44,100 samples per second. Per second. So yep. as the waveform as the audio waveform moves up and down it samples it 44,100 times per second, sampling rate of 44.1 kilohertz. And each of those samples is 16 bits of data. So the sampling rate uh, basically determines how high a frequency can you accurately represent. And 44.1 kilohertz lets you represent frequencies up to just above 20 kilohertz, right. which is the top of the human frequency range. Not that I can hear 20 kilohertz. I doubt either of you can hear 20 kilohertz. Nope. Really, only babies can hear 20 kilohertz. But that's as high as CDs go. And the bit depth this number of bits used in each sample, in this case of CDs, 16 bits, gives you a gives you the dynamic range. And the dynamic range represented by 16 bits is about 96 dB. Now, so if you record audio with greater than those specs, that is, and typically it's a sampling rate of 96 kilohertz and a, sam and a bit depth of 24, 24 bits so-called 2496 or 9624, uh, then you can represent frequencies much higher than 20 kilohertz and a dynamic range of up to 140, 140 or so dB. Now, uh, the limits of electronics, you can't really, electronics, current electronics can't really reproduce 140 dB of dynamic range. They're there's electrical noise in there that prevents that. I think they top out at about 120, roughly. Uh, but for certainly speakers can and headphones can represent higher than 20 kilohertz. The question is, do you can can you even hear it? Does it make any difference? Because I mean, I can't hear even hear up to 20k. Neither can you. If a tree falls in the woods, dude, does it make sound? Well, there's a couple of reasons to think that that it actually does make a difference. Okay. Right. One is ultra high uh, complex sounds consist of a lot of harmonics and overtones, right? Uh, so an oboe, a violin, a drum, a cymbal, it's not just one tone. It's a bunch of tones added together. And some of those tones are up in the ultrasonic range above 20K and they interact with each other. And when they interact with each other, they produce what are called difference tones that are down in the audible range. So if those high ultra high frequencies are reproduced accurately, recorded and reproduced accurately, those difference tones, those combination tones that occur in the audible range will be reproduced and you'll hear them. There's also a theory, and I don't know whether it's true or not, that ultra high frequencies somehow manage to stimulate the skin in a certain way. And, and, and you can hear or quote unquote, feel. hear feel them uh, in a way that, that CDs can't. I'll, I'll tell you a story about high, high resolution audio. When I was the editor of AVS forum, 
I conducted an experiment in conjunction with a record company called AIX Records. Mark Waldrop is the owner there, and uh, he's a recording engineer and a strong advocate of high-res audio. And he records all of his music that he releases at 2496. And he gave me three tracks recorded at 2496 that he also down converted to CD quality, 16 bits, 44.1 kilohertz. And we level matched them and, and we were very careful. Uh, and we just labeled them, uh, you know, A and B. Track 1A, track 1B, track 2A, track 2B. And we we let people download them. And we said, okay, listen to both of these. Tell me which one is high res and which one isn't. And also tell me your system. And this is critical. Tell me what you were listening on. Because what I wanted to find out was, are they listening on a system that is capable of reproducing frequencies above 20 kilohertz? I was mostly interested in the frequency range at this point. So they people, I got to think about 80, 80 responses, 80 or 100 responses. And of the people who had systems that could not reproduce frequencies above 20 kilohertz, they got a correct hit rate of 50%, uh-huh. just exactly what you'd expect by chance. Of the people who had systems that could reproduce frequencies above 20 kilohertz, they got a correct hit rate of 80%. Okay. So, Hmm. and that's not, now I'll admit, I'm the first one to admit this was not a scientific experiment. It was not controlled. Hmm. People listened on different systems in different rooms. You know, it was absolutely not scientific. It's what we call anecdotal. Yeah. But anecdotally, the people who had systems capable of reproducing frequencies above 20K got a hit rate much higher than you would expect by random chance. Maybe I would argue that the people who do have those systems with those capabilities are more likely to have a trained ear because they spent the money, they care, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They know what to listen out for, things like that. It may very well be. That's an excellent point. An excellent point. I mean, you talked to Andrew Jones, right? So a lot of oh, his new his new speakers, right? And yeah. uh, a lot of them, they're rated to go like, you know, almost to like 40K, some, something uh-huh. ridiculous, right? And yeah. I asked him like, what is the point of that, right? And he yeah. said, you know what? You know what? Uh, the fact that it can go that high means that it's flat across 20. Correct. And that's, that's what his uh, argument for it was. I mean, I would say I can't, we're not supposed to be able to hear below 20 hertz, right? Above 20 hertz. Uh, below. We're not supposed to be able well, to hear above it, right? Well, well I mean. Uh, 20,000. Yeah, I'm talking about 20 oh, hertz oh, on sorry, the low I'm end, sorry. right? My mistake, yes. Yeah. On the low yeah. end. And so I still want, I wouldn't mind a sub that can hit one, <laughs> right? If it, it's going to well, shake yeah. everything and I'm not going to yeah. be able to hear it, but yeah. I can I sense that? So I can sense the you lower frequencies, it. right? You absolutely can sense that below 20 hertz. Definitely. No question about so, it. To think that you can sense something above, maybe it's not out of the question, right? Maybe that it's not going to rattle the windows. There's no nothing like yeah, that, that that's going to happen. Yeah, that's but different. it's just yeah. uh, it's I don't know. I mean, the, my answer is I don't know. Um, but you know, the argument against that would be uh, Nyquist theorem, saying that you know you can perfectly not like approximate, 
but you can perfectly uh, recreate a, a wave, a sine wave, using that many uh, samples, right? Right. It's not like there's no other curve. A sine wave at half the sampling rate. Correct. Mm -hmm. So it, if your sampling rate is 44.1, you can perfectly represent a sine wave at 22.05. Which gives us a little bit of headroom right there, right? So be, correct. So uh, that would be the argument, I guess, is it's not like it's approximating. People are saying, well, it's a, it's digital. No, no. You can, there's no other curve except for that exact curve, right? That's right. That's so right. I don't know. That's right. I don't now, know the, the other, answer the to The other that. factor is this. Here's another factor about it. When you record CD music, at 44.1, 16 bits, you need to allow frequencies up to 20K to pass through the microphone into the recording equipment. Mm -hmm. And you have to prevent <laughs> frequencies above 20K from getting in. In other words, you need a very steep, what's called a brick wall Curve, filter yes. to allow frequencies below 20K and block frequencies above 20K. Such a steep filter can have problems of its own, particularly sure. in terms of phase. So if you record if you record frequencies above 20K, say with a sampling rate of 96, which allows you to record up to 48 kilohertz of sound of frequency, then that filter can be much more gentle and not induce those phase anomalies. So it's so easy, easier on the recording. Easier then. on the recording, and it does not induce these problems uh, which could be why uh, high-res audio sounds better. Now, I will say this. it all, There's so much depends, and we get back to this again, on the content creator, the mixer, the mastering engineer. There are CDs that sound better than some high-res tracks because the mastering engineer did a great job on the CD, and the mastering engineer of the high-res track did a lousy job. Mm, yeah. So so much depends just like that atmos it's, thing we were talking about earlier it's funny uh you bring that up because i was on this big dsd kick a little while back um mm -hmm. and a lot of the comments are like this dsd is trash the cd sounds better mm -hmm. so like you know you really it, it really it does depends. matter yeah it, it just depends um there were some D uh, dsds that sounded phenomenal like the uh, michael yeah. jackson thriller yeah which is, it was it was recorded to two inch tape. So right. um, when we're talking about, you know, analog and all those uh, frequencies, the supersonic frequencies mm -hmm. you were talking about that make those other tones in the regular human the regular hearing range. range yeah. Like I noticed a difference playing those thriller tracks on DSD on my laptop hmm. uh, and then switch back over to the MP3 that I bought like a few years ago. Oh, man. Completely, completely different. Yep. Even uh, one of my music students, he's like, whoa, I hear, I, I, I feel so much more. And uh, like yep. my body started tingling a little bit. I was like, this yep. is, I like this, you know, what is, what's going on? So exactly. I think, I think, you know, like, a, a lot of it has to deal with how it's been recorded. And if you yes. get something old and recorded on analog, it's got all that cool stuff. Well, <laughs> yes and no. I will say this, Mark Waldrop, my friend from AIX Records, uh, rails against uh, high-res audio that has been captured from analog because analog tape doesn't go that high. Oh, it doesn't? It doesn't. Uh, it just doesn't. And it doesn't have the dynamic range either. 
So if you're capturing 24-bit from analog tape, you're not getting 24 bits worth of worth of dynamic range. You're, you're, I don't know, analog tape, I forget what it is, 70, 80 dB. It's not even as much as CD. So there, there is a question about taking old analog masters and uh, converting and them, converting to, high them. Res, to high res audio. How, how much benefit do you really get from that? So uh, Mark, either Mark argues e you don't. Okay, I'm, so I'm not sure about that. Either way, it's a crapshoot. Exactly. I, I, okay. I think this goes back. Remember, I said uh, to hold that thought about the the diagonal lines with 8K. I think mm -hmm. it might be that kind of debate also. It's like, yep. you know, what can you tell? Sometimes it's not the direct thing that right. you'll notice. It's maybe a, right. a side effect of it, right? And Correct. so I'm going to, my position is I don't know. I, I think I can. So, you know, I have Cobas, I have Tidal. And if there's an option to play the high res one, well, mm -hmm. that's nothing to me. I'm just going to press that one and choose that one over the, sure, you know, sure. that's it. So I whether it too. does or doesn't, I'm... I have unlimited data, so it doesn't matter to me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another thing I will say about high res is it's much, I think it's more important for headphone listening than it is for speaker listening. Most headphones will go up above 20K, reasonably good headphones. Um, you're, and a lot of speakers will now, too. There, the question is dynamic range. You, In order to hear the improved dynamic range, A, you have to be listening to something that was mastered or recorded with a lot of dynamic range. And most pop music, the dynamic range has been compressed, even if the data has not been compressed. But let's say you've got a track with a lot of dynamic range. If you record it in high-res audio, you need to be in a really quiet room in order to hear that dynamic range. Every room has what's called a noise floor. And in most normal residential houses, environments, apartments, whatever, you know, you've got street noise coming in. You've got your air conditioner. You've got, you know, some a leaf blower in the next yard or, or whatever, which is going to raise the noise floor. You need a really, really quiet room in order to hear that dynamic range on speakers or act much noise canceling much easier to hear it on headphones because your head you're isolated yeah right there yeah you know you've got you've got some acoustic isolation either with in-ear monitors that are sealed into your ear canals or over ear headphones and and you have a, a greater chance of hearing that wide dynamic range and the high frequency response on headphones so i think high resolution audio is generally speaking more effective on headphones than it is on speakers in a room. I agree with that. I think, do you guys have time? We're at an hour and 10 minutes. Do you guys have time to take a call if anybody wants to call in and ask a question? That oh, might yeah, be sure. something fun that we could do. Of I know course. everybody here, a lot of people here want to talk to you, Scott. So sure, you absolutely. didn't have this back then, right? You didn't have a call-in feature, was, right? My my own podcast, Home Theater Geeks, we did not have call-in, and I always wanted it. There it is. So I'm really happy that you guys have it. That's super cool. Daily High really Five awesome. in the house. So All right. whoever wants call to call in, in, there's the number on the screen, 818-237-3030. And uh, I think we're ready. I think we're ready. Let me see here what we got here. But yeah, are you having a good time, Scott? Are you, are you enjoying? Oh, I'm having a great time. This is wonderful. You like being back? 
I like it being on the air. I miss it. I miss <laughs> it. And and doing this with you guys and knowing that there's a platform I can I can use pretty easily uh, makes it more likely that I'll I'll put something together for myself here and uh, and do yeah. it. And, and I'd love to join you guys anytime. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. we got That's we great. got over a hundred people in here watching live. So yep. yeah. That's super oh. cool, man. We got a call coming in here. All right. You are on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling All right. from? How's it going, guys? What's up? You guys having any fun? We're yeah, having a great you, time. Have you ever heard uh, like hey, we the, can't hear what, uh, I can't the hear. Linux and Jack and such? You, you, you can hear me? You're not hearing them right now? No, we don't hear them at all. Okay, one second. Uh-oh. Technical difficulties. I, I, I got to be heard. I must be heard. It, no. Oh, I know. I think I know what's going on here. Let's see here. Roadcaster. Oh, I'm connected. What's going on here? All right. Hold on. Are you not? You can't, you can't hear him right now? Nope. No. That's weird. Hey, did you play the music earlier when we oh. started? Because I didn't hear that either. You didn't I hear didn't that either. either? Nope. No. Huh. Interesting. Something's going on, huh? Yeah. Well, you got three audio guys here. I know. <laughs> What's going on? I called no answer. <laughs> Let me see. Am I uh, soloed somewhere here? No, it's weird because I can hear you, but they right. I can hear you guys fine. Let me see here. Give me one second. No problem. <clears throat> All good. Speaker. <clears throat> I'm looking at the uh, chat room here while you're while you're talking about it. Uh, Dwayne Bennett has a UB9000, a Panasonic here we go. Mm -hmm. Ultra Ultra HD Blu-ray player arriving tomorrow. Plays DSD, but not super audio. Yeah, it doesn't play the discs. It doesn't play the disc, but it does play DSD streams. So you can plug in yeah. like a hard drive or a thumb drive to the USB mm -hmm. port. It and has play. DSD files on it. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that's I what I do with my card, you guys. Can, oh, can, there, there you go. There you go. So, is, am, I am I on? You're on. Yeah, and, world? Are you telling me the whole All time right. I, was, I was talking through the, the 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 mic here when I have this beautiful mic here? Oh, oh. my goodness! Okay. No wonder. All right, You're so fired, yeah, it's loud clear. You guys sound great. All right, so what's <laughs> up? No, what's this Asus SDX? Well, it, it like I use Linux now. I don't use Windows anymore. But when you're using, it's called Jack, and I'm that's what I'm listening to you guys through right now. And you have to have a good sound card to get the the, la the latency down low enough to where it actually makes a difference. And you have to have that computer power. You have to have what it requires to do that and, and low latency is really the major key in all this now latency and you can't get low latency with without a good sound card or good processing power you know mm -hmm. all true right. so that's but where that comes in well but latency really only matters if you're watching if you're watching well, video no, no, i mean i mean if I, i'm down to like a half a millisecond of latency when I'm when I'm listening to music and you guys everything through that that comes through chat. Well, but if you're listening to music, I mean, who cares if it's delayed? Mm -hmm. You know, because you're just listening well, no, to music. Well, no, I mean, well, oh, it makes a big difference, a, a huge difference. How so? Uh, it's all free. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> I just listen to it. I'm not. I. You know. Uh, well, but I mean, it, what's, it's, it's free to try. Yeah, it, you know. I mean, if, I, you, I if you had high, you've listened to stuff high latency and low latency, 
what what's the difference in sound quality? Uh, major. I mean, night and day. I mean, I can actually get it to uh, 192,000 kilohertz. Yeah, 192 kilohertz. With 24-bit, you know, without it going, you know, with most computers would do that, but not with this sound card. Well, this sound card's like five hundred bucks. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? It's been out there a while, but most people don't know it. Like Most people don't know what it is or what it's for. You know, it's got all the best components in it, you know, foil capacitors. Well, yeah, no doubt about it. If you're going to stream 192 kilohertz, 24 bits, you do need a lot of high processing power. Absolutely. You do. Yes. Otherwise, you'll be in and out, cutting in and out. and Right. But it's the the latency is a big, big deal. Well, I don't call that latency. I call it, uh, you know, stuttering or breaking. Well, no, that's a different part. It is. It is. But I'm just saying that's probably the most more major than the kilohertz and the, the bit mm, the mm, latency sure I would of course say. yep of course interesting I mean, if you listen to a lower lower if you listen to lower specs you know if you listen to cd specs or mp3 at 128 kilohertz kilobits per second or whatever you wouldn't more you, you wouldn't i'm not really that. good at explaining it either i mean <laughs> like even okay. though, like, right. i actually have a low latency kernel too going with it oh wow so yeah, so yeah, the Linux you know what I mean? kernel has been well, optimized. It gets right into so, it. it gets, yeah. So interesting. Well, that's so cool, man. I've never, I've never played with Linux. I'll have to try playing with I'm Linux sorry? sometime. I've never, I've never played with Linux before. Oh, oh my goodness! I mean, I had, I had this sound card with Windows, and then they didn't want to make drivers anymore for it. But mm. it, once, this, instantly, once I started listening to through, through Linux. It's just night and day. It's incredible the difference. Wow. It, it's just crazy, especially with you guys who are recording and everything. They have special software out there just for what you guys do. You really need to look into it. It'll change your lives. <laughs> it really will. Interesting. Sounds good. Well, well hey, you thanks. Know what I mean? I'm not no. Comp- I'm not a. I mean, I don't work for them or anything like that. You know, I'm just saying. I, I just want to better people's lives too and make their lives better. Oh you yeah. Know? And, yeah. We'll appreciate try that. It. That's all I got to say. I'm not appreciate it, guys. Well, I appreciate your call. Yeah. I'll try to thanks take calling. a few more calls here. So thanks again for calling. The Asus STX, that's what I use. So, I mean, it's pretty high dollar, but it, Sounds I good. mean, there's probably something way better out there, but I, I don't really know. But I just absolutely love this card. If you're into audio, it's just, it's amazing. Sounds so, good. Cool. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. thanks take care. Thanks a lot. All right. Let's go ahead and take another call. Uh, so well, somebody, uh, Rambito, Rambito, mm. I don't know how I said, it. ah, there it is. The DAC is the most important part. Talk about DACs. Um, <laughs> welcome, welcome know, to man. the call-in show. <laughs> you get- yeah, the DAC, the digital to audio converter. That is a critical component of any digital audio system. That's, that's right. Because what do we end up listening to? It has to be analog. Right. Our ears are analog. <laughs> So it has to get translated into analog at some point. And how that is accomplished is a critically important part. And how the DAC, the digital to analog converter, works and how it does that uh, makes a huge difference on the quality of what you hear. No doubt about it. What kind of DAC do you use? Um, well, I try different things. I actually, believe it or not, I just got in uh, a portable DAC for use with my iPhone, it'll work with any any uh, 
any smartphone mm-hmm. from a company called iFi. I F I. Mm-hmm. It's called the Hip DAC. Yep, sending that around. Right, the thing is making yeah, its rounds. So it's making its rounds. So I have one. I haven't started listening to it yet, but um, I don't have a standard one that I that I always use. I like the Nickel from um, from Periodic Audio, mm-hmm. uh, which is again a portable DAC. Okay. Uh, that I like very much. So mostly portable. Because mm-hmm. I'm seeing here, shit is okay to start with. <clears throat> yep. Hi-Fi Audio Hip Deck, $149. Is that it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. So we got, uh, well, I think we can take one more call. So uh, sure. we'll, we'll shut it down in about 10 minutes. So if you want to call, go for it. We'll take one more call. Now, uh, Scott, I know yep. I've talked to Joe about this a lot like can you actually hear the difference in the dax that yes <laughs> you can you can you can one can um i myself don't necessarily hear it as easily or as well as others who spend a lot of time focusing in on various things mm-hmm. um but yes you absolutely can okay all right that's good to know i i, I can I don't. I don't think I can tell the difference. You can't tell the difference. I can't tell the difference between I think one and the other. I think it's partly an individual thing. I think it's partly a training thing. Mm. You know how how trained are your ears to listen for certain things? Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. I have. I I, I'm. I. I don't have as easy a time as as some people I know. Gotcha. You so be- if I were to ask you, like, you know, what do you like better, ESS Saber or Burr Brown? Like, would yeah, you? I would not be able to. Tell yeah, you. I mean, I like people I, ask me all the time. I'm like, wow, both of them are great. <laughs> yeah, they're they're they both work. very high. Yeah, they work. <laughs> they have high, have good reputation. Um, I trust that they are doing a good job, and they both sound great. So I would be able to tell you, oh yeah, it's the. It's the saber, the ESS saber. It's you know, it sounds better than the Burr Brown or the other way around. I couldn't tell you. All right, so we have a question. Where's my man, Youth Man? It's too bad Youth Man couldn't make it today. Yeah, uh, I think it's because he said he's doing some family stuff. I mean, today's yep. a, a holiday. It's a holiday, right? right? And here yeah. we are. And here we are working away, slaving, dedicated, yep. dedicated. Although I will stuff. tell you this: at the end of this show. I jump out of here and I head to Palm Springs for the uh, HPA Tech Retreat, the Hollywood Professionals Association, huh. which is all the technical people from Hollywood gathering in Palm Springs for uh, four days of of tech talk, serious tech talk. Hmm. So uh, this is the first time I've been and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, tomorrow, they are going to be basically making a short movie in a day they've they've shot most of the footage they're going to shoot a little bit of footage in the morning and then they're going to use the latest tools in cloud collaboration to actually edit color correct master make a short movie all in, in one a single day. day wow should be really interesting huh. so well, you're saying it's highly technical what what other technical stuff are you expecting oh, to see over there a lot of stuff. There'll be a lot of stuff on 4K and 8K. There's one one workshop on some testing that Warner Brothers did on the perceptual differences between 4K and 8K. So that we were talking about that earlier. That right. should be very interesting. There'll be a lot of stuff on high dynamic range. 
um, <clears throat> and particularly how how the creative community views it, uses it, the tools that they use, Ooh. the problems Ooh. that they encounter. I cover these kinds of shows, and I've, I also go to NAB, National Association of Broadcasters. Broadcasting, yep. um, I go to those shows, and I cover them from the perspective of how does how does what the creative community do, how, is, how does what they do affect what consumers see and hear? And so that's what I'm hoping to do uh, at this HPA show this week. I'll be talking about it on Leo's show, uh, The Tech Guy, this Saturday. Uh, and depending on what's there, I might write about it in Tech Hive as well. So uh, we don't have any call-ins right now, but if you want to call in, there's your chance. Uh, that's your final, final, uh, final warning. Final warning, because we're going to be off the <laughs> air pretty soon. But so are we going to see more of you? I mean... It seems like everybody here loves you, so. Well, I sure do appreciate that. I really do. And I every every show I go to, you know, CES, CEDIA, whatever, I always get people coming up to me saying that they really enjoyed Home Theater Geeks and they really missed the show. And I've been meaning to find a way to, to get it on back on the air. Um, and as I said at the beginning, you know, this platform that you guys use, I hadn't known about it until last week when Joe and I, you know, <laughs> took it for a test ride. And it looks like it could work really well. So I, I think there's a good chance that'll happen. And we were we awesome. were talking about convenience, right? So yeah. convenience, quality. So maybe our quality maybe maybe not to that level. Is you know, if there's a guy there switching, of course that's a well, different story. You know, but I was, convenience I was spoiled. <laughs> it's a matter of you be being on or not on, right? So yeah, hopefully you're yeah. you're on. Hopefully I am too. I, I do miss it. I, I mean, I still write a lot, but being on the air is, is really fun for me. And I've been looking for a way to get back on and this may very well be it. So are, are you uh, going to be at Expona? No, oh. I probably won't be at Expona. Mm. Um, you know, at this point, unless somebody wants to pay my way, hint, hint, <laughs> uh, you know, I can't really afford to go myself. See, that's uh, what happens when you're with Daily Hi-Fi, though. <laughs> you know, you see what I'm saying? Well, you know, Oh, that's, yeah. that's for after this discussion. But uh, I think all of that's us are going to go, right? Chana? Yep. I'm in. Yeah. When, when is it? Uh, April... 17 to 19. Yeah, 17 to 19. We'll, we'll be uh, arriving we'll the We'll be 16th. there the 16th, but yeah. Okay. All right. If everything so, goes as planned. Uh, quick question here. my mind about April, so I, I have to look at my calendar, but... I mean, I'm planning stuff all the way out to December. Um, you know, my my whole year is is pretty pl uh, planned out. I'm going to Australia in July. Oh wow, which is really cool. Not for anything uh, that I'm doing. My wife has a couple of conferences there, so hmm. I'm tagging along for the ride. I'll be, uh, you know, Mr. Kasdan on that. She's usually Mrs. Wilkinson when she comes <laughs> on my rides, but I'm going on her ride this time. So, uh, so that'll be fun. Um, Cedia is coming up in September. Oh yeah, I already booked a hotel for that. Did you? Oh, I I better do that. You're you're ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, because I I want to stay at a nice hotel this time around. Mm -hmm. So you know, and I, I didn't have to pay the first night. So Say, like hey, sweet. And I got sweet. a seven seventy two hour cancellation in case somebody does pay my way and they want to yeah. put me up. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I've, cool. I've 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 got options, you know. Okay. But, uh, well, then you, you've you've uh, impelled me to go ahead and book my. There my you go. So, Ch well. Chana and I are using Roadcaster Pros. 
Scott, what are you using as your audio interface there? I'm using uh, something called the Onyx Blackjack by Mackie. Oh, yeah. Mackie, yeah. Which is a great company. Before Consumer Electronics, I was co- I was a journalist in the uh, pro, pro audio and uh, studio environment. I was the technical editor for a magazine called Electronic Musician. Oh, my gosh. Which was a subsidiary or a, a sister publication of Mix Magazine. Yep. I, I had I, I was buying those every every there month. There you go. There yeah. you go. Well, yeah, I, 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 I do a I lot of electronic a lot of stuff in those magazines. And not yep. mixed so much, but electronic musician. Mm-hmm. I was there for a technical editor for ten years and a freelancer for another eight. So Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So yeah, Love I know it. those. I, I just went to the NAM show. Yeah. Uh, oh, I was there too. Oh, were you? Yeah, I'm a I mean I, I'm I produce electronic music and I'm a DJ. So Oh, okay. Very good. I'm, yeah. Believe it or not, I was shopping for tubas. <laughs> I'm, a tu- I'm a tuba player, and I'm in the market for a tuba. And every year I've gone to NAMM, and I've been to NAMM many, many times. For EM, I was always covering synthesizers and sure. software and yep. microphones and, and production equipment. And I always saw all these stands, all these booths that had brass instruments. Mm-hmm. And being a brass player, I really wanted to go and just sit around and play brass instruments, but I never had time. Right. So this year I said to myself, I'm going to go and I'm going to play brass instruments. And there you go. Really you go. fun. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I, I actually got to play one of the new Roland uh, Jupiter XMs and oh, uh, yeah. I, I bought it and it's sitting over here now. And Oh, uh, cool, man. Yeah. So I, I saw was... that Org ha- has resurrected the ARP 2600. Yes. You see that? Yeah. That's yeah. so awesome. That's that's a synthesizer from my college days that I really, really wanted and never got. Now I could buy one. Yeah. It's crazy. Are you, crazy. Seeing yeah. The, are you seeing the comments on the screen, Scott? Uh, let's see. Do I have my own YouTube channel? More, um, more vids on calibration and all audio stuff. Yeah. You know, that's I, I don't have my own YouTube channel. I have Home Theater Geeks has a YouTube channel and all my previous shows are there. Uh, and I may very well come back on that channel or I may start my own. I haven't decided yet. Well, maybe we can help you out if you're, if you want to do I, something. I suspect yeah. you can. I, <laughs> you're encouraging me very well and I appreciate it. Scott said, uh, Tristan says, Scott, thank you for gracing us with your presence. Love meeting you in New York at the six. How do you say that? 60, 50 demo? Oh, the 60, 50 demo. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The Epson event. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Tristan, uh, I, I remember meeting you there and uh, that was a fun event. I really liked that. The Epson was show, uh, introducing their new 6050 projector and they hired me to come out and uh, interview people uh, for their YouTube channel and, and stuff like that. So that was really fun. So, yeah. I just turned off the phone call, so that's not going to happen. Maybe oh, wow. next time. Uh, right. Uh, good show, guys. Thank you for putting it on. Thank you, Regular Guy Audio, for always being in here and supporting. Yep. We you, appreciate Bob. you. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Thank you for helping out on Reddit. Yeah. Uh, what's, what speakers do you have back there? Those are some Tannoy speakers, right? Uh, these are Tannoy NFM8s. They're my near-field monitors. We're, what you're actually seeing is one side of my recording studio. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, the, the side that I've set up to be a set for video. But, uh, but yeah, those are my, that's, uh, that's exactly, that's exactly what I do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks. Exactly. Thanks for bringing yeah. Scott on. Um, and for all the content you provide really brightens my day. Hey, that, oh, thanks man. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think that's it. We're about an hour and a half in and, uh, 
yeah i think hopefully you guys had a good time scott i hope you had a good oh, time yeah, and yeah a lot of fun let's make it happen again huh i For agree sure. i'm totally there all right guys oh there's the music there it is that's our cue thank you guys for watching you know where to reach us joe joe and tell chana at techno dad and then scott we're gonna figure out something for you we are (laughs) after this stay stay tuned all right guys take care bye-bye thank you guys for showing up have a good one peace